What's up? It's Adam Karendang back with an ep- another episode of Novelty Growth Voice. We are here with a special guest tonight, Talia L'Oreal. How you doing? I'm doing great, Adam. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have this talk with you. Yes. Um, so real quick, Novelty Voice, it's a platform for creative entrepreneurs and young professionals to be heard. You know, our goal is to interview dope up and coming movers and doers here in the city get to know them more on a personal level, uncovering their journey, their mindset, and their vision for what they're doing. Right. Talia, you have a lot going on. You're a host, an <laughs> actress, a model, president of your media consulting company. Yes. Okay, let's start from the beginning. Where, where are you from? I'm originally from Evansville, Indiana, which is a southern town about three hours south of here. Okay. So yeah, so yeah it's a kind of small town. Yeah. And then so growing up, did you have siblings? What was life like growing up? Uh, growing up, I was the middle child of mm. four siblings at the time. I have a, a younger brother now. He'll be, he'll be 16, actually, in a couple days. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely one of those things where I had a sister that was, like, six years older than me, so I wasn't cool enough and old enough to hang out with her yet. And then I had two little brothers that didn't want anything to do with me. So I kind of had to make up my own fun and, and imaginary friends and just find, <laughs> and, you know, just find creative ways to, to, to entertain myself. So, so what did you do for hobbies? or? Uh, so for hobbies, I think the first, uh, one of my things I really loved to do was read. Um, okay. I was reading and writing at a very young age. Uh, R.L. Stein was my favorite author. I don't mm. know if y'all remember him. The, remember the Goosebumps book? Yeah, I do. Yes, yeah, okay. so I used to read one wow. of those a day sometimes, <laughs> and then I used to write a lot. Um, then I got into um, playing sports and dance um, and performing arts probably about fourth or fifth grade. So I did some of that as well. So when, when did you start reading? What age? Oh, so I was reading probably at the age of probably about four or five. I remember wow. my mother telling me that I was writing in cursive probably around that time, too. Really? They don't even teach cursive anymore. Yeah. Do you, <laughs> you know just, that? So you were just out there. telling my age right now. <laughs> yes, I was out there just writing in cursive because I just enjoyed it. Like, it Interesting. Yeah. So then, um, you know, through high school, you you went to Evansville then? I went to Evansville Bossy High School, yes. Okay. Well, I actually went to a couple high schools. Um, we moved around a lot as a kid. So um, I started out, uh, when I first went into high school, I was in uh, Norcross, Georgia. Um, and I went to a school called Norcross High School. And then I transferred to a different high school in Georgia. And then I came back home to Evansville. So my sophomore year is when I actually was in high school in Evansville and I finished out. Do you enjoy mm-hmm. Evansville? I do. You know, Evansville is one of those towns where, you know, I don't, sadly, I don't get back as much as I'd like to, um, but um, it's one of those places where everybody knows you. So, you know, if I go to Walmart or the gas station, I'm bound to see somebody like, aren't you Carmen's daughter or Larry's daughter? Oh my God. You know, everybody knows everybody. So that always makes you feel good. And it kind of, it kind of grounds me and just kind of helps when things get really hectic and loud. I can go home and just be with my family and just like, just decompress so mm-hmm, for yeah. sure so you know you're reading and writing at a, such a young age what do you want to be when you when you grew up what was that dream so <laughs> well it's so funny I was such a follower I just wanted to be like my sister growing up so she wanted to be a, a, a obstetrician and I wanted to be a pediatrician like I can't even imagine doing that now but so that's what I wanted to be as a kid but then as time grew um, as time went on I just found myself really just wanted to be like uh, a writer and like a journalist like to get to the facts like I'm mm-hmm. always like fact checking and like trying to find sources and like even if my friends like oh did you hear so-and-so did this and then I'm like how do you know okay who told you this well how do they know you know what I mean so that just kind of was my thing yeah so I think I saw something that you were doing talent shows and mm-hmm. a bunch of different stuff at like mm-hmm. age 10 yes so I came I grew up in a musical family and my family is very large um 
even my immediate family, like I told you, I have five siblings. Um, but I come from a very large, close-knit family, and mm -hmm. everybody either played sports, sang, danced, acted, did something to the point where when we all uh, went over to my grandmother's house, RIP, um, we all uh, just did, like, talent shows. We used to make up dance routines, and then sometimes if the kids were playing in another room and the grown-ups were entertaining in another room, they would call us out and be like, okay, do that dance, do that routine uh, for the company. So we would <laughs> just have to, like, do our dances. Was, so there was really not a shy bone in our body growing up. So. And so that's where the creativity came from yeah. then, definitely. Yes. Yeah. And then so you, where'd you go to college? I went, I started out at University of Evansville. Okay. Um, and I studied mass comm there, and then I transferred to IUPY and I studied journalism. Okay, yeah, and so. so you, in after college, you went into corporate, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And then so did that have anything to do with your major in college? Absolutely not. Um, so, you know, you have it all figured out. You know, you think you have it all figured out uh, when you're in your early teens, early 20s, how your life is supposed to go. But for me, you know, I became a mother at a young age. I got married at a young age. So life happened really fast for me. And it was like a whirlwind. So, you know, I had to say, okay, I have to be a mom. I have to be a mm -hmm. wife. I need to get a job. I need to take care of my daughter. And so, uh, Banking was just one of those things where I just kind of hopped in there and I just happened to be good at it. Like, mm -hmm. just it was kind of like sales too. Um, and I'm a personable person, so um, I got into banking and quickly just moved up in the in the ranks. And uh, by the time like I left uh, banking, I was uh, I had managed like a, a book of like a hundred clients over in the East Coast and like multi-million dollar accounts and Fortune 500 companies, just helping them with their business accounts and commercial accounts. So nice. Yeah. And so going back to college though, what what was your experience like there? Did you enjoy it? You know, actually, and I don't know if a lot of people know this, but I never finished, you know, okay. so it was one of those things where, um, and I, I always encourage people, finish school mm -hmm. if you can, and if it's for you, you know, finish finish school, get that degree, because nobody can ever take that away from you. I would tell my daughter the same Thanks. thing. However, you know, for me, at the time when I was in school, um, I just had so much going on, like, personally, and then I just never, like, I made straight A's, I was on a roll, I got a full scholarship to University of Evansville, which is like a private Presbyterian school, and when I had the choice to like go to class or not, when it's like two degrees outside, or I'm like, hmm, maybe I could go up to IU and hang with my friends, you know? <laughs> so it was like definitely um, a new world for me, and my grades like suffered, and I lost my academic scholarship, so that's what made me transfer to IPY. Gotcha. Um, and then, you know, from there, um, I met a lot of great people, a lot of my like closest friends, I call them lifers, like I met them at IUPUI, so we're still friends to this day. So, um, you know, college was great as far as the networking and meeting people, but for me, I just never have been one uh, to be a classroom learner and not to take that away from anybody but I'm I'm such a person like I just want to figure it out for myself or how who are you to tell me how to do something you know so yeah, no yeah. I feel that so do you think that the network was the biggest thing that you took away from college or were there any skills that you developed you know while going to class, having assignments, all that good stuff. I think the things that distracted me in college, which uh, ultimately led to me like just withdrawing from classes, um, was just the strengths that helped me kind of get to where I am today, which was the networking person, like networking uh, skills that I had, just meeting new people and going out. And at the time, you know, to maybe my mom or other people was like, oh, you're just always on the scene. You're just always out doing stuff. But at the end of the day, um, I build relationships. Mm. So there's not too many people in the city that I don't know or that don't know me or that I can't just pull up and be like, oh, what's up? You know, I want to go here. Let, you know, tell me about this. Let me holler at you real quick. So, so all that, uh, uh, socializing back in the day kind of paid off eventually. Definitely. Yeah. And then so life kind of hits you fast. Mm -hmm. You get a job in banking. Mm -hmm. What was that corporate experience like for you? Man. Um, so in the beginning, it was it was 
it was great. Um, and when I say great, I say, hey, you know, it paid the bills. It was something that came easily to me. You know, I was respected. Uh, but when I started to get that itch, and that was probably about, mm, when did I start writing again? It's probably like back in 2010, 2011. I just felt really empty. Like I felt like, man, like this is cool. And you know, I'm a mom and I love my baby and you know, all this, but I just don't feel fulfilled. So I started to journal and write children's stories for my daughter and write a lot of poetry and poems. And that's what kind of got the groove back. Um, my creative juices flowing and you know, um, what I did that and then we moved. And at the time we were like kind of, you know, living from check to check. So I didn't have a computer. I was writing everything down in a journal. Like I had like two or three journals that I used to, you know, use for stories and I lost them. <laughs> so that was like a major blow to me. And I went into like a, like a, a creative depression, so to mm. speak. Cause I, I mean, that to me was like my everything. Like I just knew those books were going to be published. Like I had wrote like a, a lot of short stories. I was working on a novel for my daughter. And when I lost that, it was kind of like everything just kind of caved in. And I went back into my little bubble of, uh, you know, this the okay, go to work, go home, mm. cook, clean, be a mom. So yeah, um, ultimately though, I think um, I'm glad I had those experiences though, because it, it kind of shaped me and in the corporate world, to get back to what you were saying, um, it toughened me up a lot because, and it taught me good business skills and business structure. Um, and when now being an entrepreneur and working with a lot of companies and a lot of other entrepreneurs, I see that lack. Mm. I see the lack of uh, structure and a lack of um, just uh, accountability sometimes because when you run your own businesses, is you just me? Is it's like I do my own thing. I don't answer anybody. But at the end of the day, there's still a level of professionalism, a, le a level of structure, a level of follow-up that you should have as, a, as an entrepreneur because that's your business. It's mm. you. So I think um, – it was like a rude awakening to me when I first went into business for myself and I would take those same skills that I learned in the bank and like, yeah, following up, answering emails, answering texts in a timely manner. And when it wasn't being reciprocated or when people would just fall off and say, yeah, yeah, I'll meet you at the Starbucks um, uh, tomorrow at 10 a.m. And I would show up and they wouldn't come. You know <laughs> what I mean? And I would be like, what the hell? You know what I mean? But you just kind of take for granted those skills that you learned mm and just think that everybody knows that. Oh, so that yeah. really toughened me up a little bit as far as the business acumen and like, okay, you know, hey, um, everybody's not like that. So mm -hmm. you gotta get a tough skin and choose, you know, be more um, selective with who you choose to work with, so yeah. So it definitely made you more professional. Absolutely. Uh, and so I'm super curious about this. You grew up being, you know, a very creative, mm -hmm. um, you know, upbringing. Yeah. And, then life hits you, you go into corporate America, and did you, do you think you lost your creativity? You said you came back and started writing again. Was it hard to pick that back up? It was, it was because not only was, you know, the, the craft picking it back up, because once it's in you, it's in you, but mm -hmm. I think it was the reminder of where I was mentally when I wrote those things, and I couldn't like recreate that. Mm. So, um, so I really had to go to, um, to really get through and push through that block and that, that creative, uh, whatever you want to call it, wall that I had built, I had to like really face some dark parts of myself, if that mm. makes sense. Yeah. And we all do, you know, when we want to break through, we have to kind of kind of look at ourselves and say, man, you know, I got to deal with this disappointment. I got to deal with when I fell short. I got to deal with the time I may have let my daughter down. You know mm. what I mean? Things like that. And, you know, once you, once you uh, face those things and you say, okay, this doesn't define me. And, and nobody can ever hold that against you. So you just kind of just spread your wings and you just fly. You know mm. what I mean? You're just like, hey, 
You can't tell me anything about myself that I don't already know. You can't tell me anything bad. You can't tell me anything that I done wrong because I already know that. You know what I mean? And when you say face it, did did you have to just do some like deep conversations within yourself, or did you go talk <laughs> to people? Like how? Yes. Yeah, so you know, I'm being really transparent here, and I'm really glad. Like I said, I'm very very grateful for the opportunity because this is actually. I interview people all the time and mm -hmm. I ask a lot of good questions, but nobody has ever, this is like my first real interview. So um, I'm, I'm happy to share this. So um, I just got back into um, writing and blogging and my blog was really like picking up. I was still working full time. I was still a full time mom. And um, it was so much so that I was blogging like four times a day at work <laughs> on my phone. Mm. And I was also trying to do my work, and I was trying to take my daughter to basketball practice. It was so much going on, and it got to the point where it was a distraction at work, and I actually got basically yeah, like a verbal warning that you're on your phone. We see you posting, like, and I was like, oh my god, you know, because Facebook, social media, everybody can like stalk you and see what you're doing. So, yeah. so from that point, it's like work got really hard for me, and um, it was like a struggle going into work every day because people, I feel like people were looking at me, and people were like, what does she think she's doing? She has this show. She's over here blogging, and oh, uh, MSNBC. Like, I mean, I had really like TMZ, MSNBC, all those people were sourcing some of my articles back really? in the day. So I was like, I know you guys have heard of the Shade Room and like um, all those things. So I was like the Shade Room, but I had a website. Okay. So, <laughs> um, so I had to keep up with the latest events. But um, all that to say, I remember um, just really feeling very depressed. I mean, I was in a dark place. Not that I really wanted to hurt myself or anything like that, but I just really felt like... I don't know, it was hard to describe, but I remember I used to talk to my mom every day um, before work. We, that was our thing, we used to talk on the phone, she would drive in and I would drive in, and I just remember like crying on her on the phone, I'm like, mom, I don't know what's wrong with me, it's like I'm not happy, I dread going to work every day, like I just wanna drive away and just never come back. And she was like, <laughs> what? And I was like, I don't know, I just, I just, don't, I just wanna get away, I don't wanna, I don't, I don't wanna be around, I just, need, I just need a break, and she was like, okay. And I remember her praying with me in the car before I went into work that day, and it was like, almost like it renewed my strength, and I went mm. in with my head held high, and I knew what I was facing, because at that point, like, uh, it was a lot of attention, not that I was doing anything negative, but I think sometimes people see your potential and you don't see it yet, Yeah, you know what I mean? And like people were coming up to me like, oh, you wrote that, oh, I saw this, and then my manager would get mad, and then you know people would frown at me, and then people were like taking screenshots of some of the pictures I posted and sending it around the office. I mean, it was like, it was bad. It was a bad situation. And I felt almost like attacked, but at the end of the day, I'm like, you know what, this is just pushing me more towards my purpose. Mm. Um, and so eventually, after about a year of that, I took the step and said, you know what, I'm just gonna go full time with what I wanna do. So, so what were you blogging about? Um, pretty much everything under the sun. Like I used to write, um, I started out just writing like inspirational posts, just talking about my life, um, things that I was going through at the time. And then I would talk about like current events and um, you know, uh, what's hot. You know, I would always have notifications on my phone. Like I wanted to be the first to know if something happened so I could post about it and blog about it. And I was doing really well. That's why a lot of the, um, the major news sites were like reaching out to me. Like, like, how'd you get this story? So, side note, so funny, funny thing. I saw, uh, when I was blogging, I saw a letter on Twitter. And I knew it was fake, but I just had to, like, write about it. Because I'm like, who makes that dumb shit like this? Give me, because I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, you're good, you're good. Um, so, the letter was, like, um, it was a school in Canada. And it was a racist letter, a fake racist letter written by the administrative staff saying that um, it, was, it was something crazy. So, I wrote about the letter as if like who would write something who would do something dumb like this like in a sense of like you guys we know this is fake blah blah 
man like the school reached out to me the newspaper in toronto reached out to me they want to know where i got the letter who did i talk to i had people sending me messages like i experienced this at this school and it was a fake letter so you know it was just like little stuff like that because i would just see something and be like what and i would just write about it and people would be like oh yeah you know i got a story oh yeah this happened to me so it was very random but that's interesting so <laughs> you were you were you know writing mm-hmm. blogging putting your content out there and you're probably you were in a uh interesting situation when you you were in your job and you were kind of you were doing what you were more passionate of about and Mm -hmm. you were kind you were getting recognized for it but Mm -hmm. then also the people that were actually paying you were trying to bring you down (laughs) yeah you kind of had like tension pulling you back and Uh, forth it was a very hard space to be in how long did it take for you to really make that leap of faith to quit your job so uh i put myself on a five-year plan back in um late 2011, 2012. And that's actually when I started my blog and I told myself in five years, you know, I'm gonna save money, this is what I'm gonna do, and I'm going to leave my job in five years. And the last two years of that five years was like the worst. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I hung in there and I toughed it out. And of course, you know, I left my job two years ago. It's been two years I've been a full-time entrepreneur and everything has not been peaches and cream like I planned (laughs) out. Of course, we all know that. Success is not a straight road. It's like this. It's a lot of ups. It's a lot of downs um, and in-betweens. But but yeah, I I told myself, you know, I want to put myself on a five-year plan and this is what I'm going to do. And what's so crazy, you know, I'm a very spiritual person. I believe in like, you know, everything's connected. I, I respect, you know, all religions, but I'm not really into religions. I'm more of a spiritual person, and, and I really honor that. And so when it was time for me to leave my job, I got a lot of anxiety. I got really scared, and I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I have a daughter. And don't get me wrong. Like, you know, my ex-husband, he's awesome. He's a great dad. I never, like, that's nothing to do with, like, oh, my God, I can't provide for my kid. But I was like, okay, what example am I setting for her? What example? Like, people are looking at me like, what is she doing leaving this great job she's been at for all these years? Like, all the judgment. And I was so scared. And I would just remember, like, cleaning out my room and, like, going through things. And I would just find little notes that I wrote to myself back oh, in the wow. day. So, for instance, like, I was cleaning out some old purses. And on the letterhead of the company I used to work with, I had 10 goals that I had written down while I was at work. Like, mm-hmm. these are things I want to do. And when I looked at that paper, I had done five of them already. Okay. So I was like, that's a sign. <laughs> that's a sign that I'm on the right track. Um, and then I was cleaning out my shed um, on, my, um, on my patio, and I found some old paperwork from, like, 2008, and it was about how to be a business manager, how to manage artists, how to interview artists. Like, it was all these things that I'm doing now yeah, and it was things that I had printed out and kind of like manifested yep. like I had I'd written it down I had done it and that's why I'm a firm believer in writing it down in pen mm. so you can't erase it you, right? you, you can't change it you can't erase it um so uh, so yeah it was definitely um an emotional roller coaster and it still kind of is you know mm-hmm. yeah. and so what do you do now? I mean, it's been two <laughs> years with your entrepreneurial <laughs> yeah. journey what is it that what was that first thing that you you did? So the first thing I did, um, at the time, I I had a show. I had an online talk show, and I was interviewing, like, a lot of artists and business people, entrepreneurs, sports figures. Were those mm indie-based or everywhere? Indie-based. I did some um, via, like, podcast interviews. Like, I did did some rappers via, like, the recording, like, I redo it, you know, digitally (laughs) or whatever. I don't know. Somebody (laughs) help me with that. But um, I did that, and then, um, so once I started doing that, um, I was supposed to get, um, a, we had a new studio, so my, my sponsor for my old show had uh, 
we were like, he's like, we're moving. We got a better studio. We're going to be in the 120 Market building on this floor, da-da-da. So I go see them. I'm like, oh, my God, this is a dream come true. Oh, my God, this is great. And so I'd already had, like, in my mind when I was leaving work, and then I get a call a few days later, and, like, um, he's like, hey, you know, I'm sorry to break this to you, but I'm backing out of this agreement because somebody's broken in and vandalized. They stole all this equipment, and I don't know what's going on. I'm just like, what? What? <laughs> what does this mean? Like, you know, what does this mean for me? But at the time, like, I was had my hands in so many different things. So I, I got into like managing artists and helping them with their brands and development, helping them with their social media, helping them with their um, image, um, helping them um, with their music sometimes, just trying to find the right sound for them. And um, so when that didn't fall through, when the when the when the show didn't fall through, I just did that. I just mm. did that full time, and I. Um, I brought a perk on board who's actually from Evansville too. He's family basically. I mean, we've known each other for a very, very long time. And I was like, you know what? Come help me. This is a dope artist by the name of T Clef. I think he's got a lot of uh, talent. You know, let's get let's get behind this brand and push it. And we formed a whole team and we pushed his brand and did a lot of shows, help him travel. We traveled with him. We've done a, we did a lot with him. Kind of got him on its way. And now he's doing awesome. So I was doing that. And then it got to the point where I started working with other artists. And then in the same at the same in the same vein, excuse me, I was also working on my personal brand because in my heart like I'm a journalist like I love mm -hmm. like I wanted to be a sports reporter I want to talk I want to interview people so I was still doing that I was still hosting events and all of that but um, as far as TSN the brand and the business that's what we're about you know we work with a lot of companies helping them like map out what it is that you want for your brand whether you're a public figure whether you're a politician whether you're an athlete whether you're a musician what is it and I'm all about authenticity you mm -hmm. know what I mean don't front don't put on for what you think society wants, what mm. you think that your friends want, your parents want, like what is it that you love about yourself? What is it that you want to showcase? So um, before I work with anybody, I always like really have a real transparent talk with them to see um, because that's one of my big factors. It's like, okay, I'm only promoting you and pushing the real you. Mm. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm not I'm not putting on any facades. I'm not fronting. I'm not, you know, they call it capping for yeah. anybody. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah. And that's really the only way to build true long-term valuable Absolutely. growth is just be your authentic self. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's awesome. Yep. And so where, like, were you, as soon as Facebook launched and Instagram, were you on those platforms or no, did it take so you crazy. some time? No, it was so crazy. And that's why I feel like, you know, everything happens for a reason, but I was just telling a young lady last night that um, was wanting to get into hosting and all that. And like, you know, she's like, I just want to do what you do. And I'm like, okay. I was like, well, you know what? It, I knew what I know now because I'm like social media marketing certified, but I'm like behind the game. You know mm. what I mean? So it's like I don't really, I help other people build their profiles on Instagram. I'm like, I'm not starting all over. I'm just going to do my thing. I know what I'm doing. But um, I didn't get on Facebook to probably like 2007, 2008. That's pretty late in my opinion, right? In my Kind of, sort of. Kind of, yeah. And then uh, Instagram. Oh, my God. It was like 2012 I got on Instagram. So I don't even, like, it, it was, I was a late bloomer in the social media. But as soon as I recognized the power of it, yeah. and it's like, I tell people, like, I tell my daughter all the time, like, you can literally be anything you want to be in this world. Mm. Like, you have all the tools at your disposal. Like, all these tools that you have at your fingertips, if I had when I was your mm. age right now, like, I would probably be a millionaire by the time I was 18. <laughs> because I would know yep. how to market it. You know what I mean? Yep. But right now, you know, that's not my goal. Like, at this point, I'm all about purpose and serving. Yeah. Uh, because to me, I'm I'm not money-driven, and um, I'm not, I mean, hey, I like money. I want to make great money. But when I take on projects and when I do things, it's out of the love and the service and the purpose of it. Like. Mm. Because at the end of the day, what are we doing it for? True. You know what I mean? So yeah. That's deep. I like that. Thank you. And so it's been this journey that's mm -hmm. up and down, right? Mm -hmm. What has been the hardest thing that you've had to overcome this, this past two years? 
Wow. So, um, as I told you, I recently lost my grandmother in October, mm. this past October. And so she was like the matriarch of our family. She was 88 years old when she passed away. And she was like the house that we went over for all of our family gatherings. She was just like the queen of our family. You know what I mean? I'm close to my mother. Like, I love her. She raised me. But my grandmother was like everybody's heart. We mm -hmm. call her Tutu. And so, um, you know, we found out, like, she she had gotten sick back in 2007. And she beat, she beat breast cancer. And then that was gone. And then... Um, Recently, as of like six months ago, we found out she was ill again, and um, everybody was kind of, it was very hush-hush, so I'm like, this must be pretty serious. So um, when I had my premiere, so I did a short film, I shot a short film like a year and a half ago, and I did the premiere right here, Pee Wee Art Gallery, which is on the fifth floor, and um, I had been going back and forth to visit her in Evansville, and I could kind of see the decline, but you know, you just keep the hope alive. You're like, no, mm -hmm. she's smiling, and she never, she never, you, you would never know, except for my appearance, that she looked sick, you know? Mm -hmm. And so the day of my premiere, the day before my premiere, we got the news that she's got about two weeks. And um, I was like, oh my God, so here I go, have to have this premiere, and have to put on a, a smiling face, and I remember breaking down at the end and like dedicating everything to her. The next morning I rushed back to Evansville and I was with her like literally the last 11 days of her life. Like I was there with hospice, like not only me, my family, that's how close we are. Like mm -hmm. my mother, all of her, uh, all of my aunts, my sister, some of my first cousins, like we surrounded her and we were there with her till she took her last breath. And that to me was the hardest thing, but it was the most beautiful thing for that's me. What, that's what I was gonna say, Because that's not everybody gets the opportunity, exactly. you know? Um, yeah. People go really fast, you don't know, they go suddenly. And the blessing of it in those last 11 days, like I never left her side, I never went home. I went home one time and I was like, I was like, oh my God, I gotta hurry up and get back. Cause I just, I just didn't want to leave her side. And when I came back, she was very alert at the time. You know, she was talking and she was like, you know what? She's like, she was just telling people what she wanted them to do for her. like. I, I want you, she told me, I want you to do my makeup. And I was like, okay, yeah. <laughs> and I was thinking in my mind, like, how in the hell am I going to do this? <laughs> but, you know, that right there, I did it. Mm. And, I, and I did it after she passed, and me and my aunt went in there, and we dressed her, and I did her makeup, and we were talking to her as if she was just right there. I never shed a tear. Mm. And... I, I, sometimes you don't know how strong you are. Like I always knew I was a strong person, you yeah. know what I mean? But being faced with that and literally seeing the life slip out of somebody's eyes that you love and care about that has basically had a hand in raising you, that right there can change a person. Mm -hmm. So um, I was talking to a really close friend of mine and you know, he was like, you know, sometimes it's like a boomerang. You have to like get, you have to go to the lowest, lowest of lows and then you just catapult. Yep. And so I felt like that was my boomerang moment. Okay. You know what I mean? I was pulled back. I was at the lowest of low. I was incognito for like three. I was not even in the city. I don't know if people even knew what I was going through. I wasn't even in the city for like a month mm. because I was with her. And um, so, you know, as far as the hardest thing, that was the hardest thing. But I would not change anything about that because, um, like I said, it was a blessing to me. Yeah, and I think that's, one, that's beautiful. Thank you. The second thing is I think that's just so funny how, you know, the the deepest depths that sometimes we get stuck in mm -hmm. are the, our greatest blessings. Yep. We look Absolutely. back on it and we can connect the dots and see why everything mm -hmm. happened for a reason. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's powerful. But you. so you had mentioned uh, the premiere here. Mm -hmm. So what was that again? So um, <laughs> I uh, wrote and produced uh, and acted in my first ever short film. Oh, wow. um, and this um, I did alongside of, you know, my team. Uh, Perk was part of the uh, production team. I did it with Bobby Darko, who's 
a videographer that I've worked with with other artists and on several projects. And I remember we were working on another project for another client, and I was just like, you know what? I have this really dope idea for a photo shoot. Like, I just want this really Afrocentric, ethnic photo shoot. Like, this powerful woman who's, like, all garbed up, and she's got stuff on, and she's, like, a queen. And he was like, you know what? He's like, that would be, like, a dope short film. I'm like, it would be. And I'm one of those people, like, once I get an idea, immediately it starts. Mm. So from, like, 30 days after we started talking about that, we had it written, we had it casted, and we shot it. And it's it was called, it's called Kupa, but it's Swahili for Ascension. And Ascension, if you guys read it, you can look up about the Ascension process. It's a spiritual journey, spiritual growth. Um, and so for me, I just basically wrote the experience off of what I experienced oh, wow. as a mother, um, as, a, you know, a wife at the time, as a daughter, and all the struggles trying to find my way because and I'm not taking anything away from man you know we know you guys do the damn thing but women you know uh, there's so much pressure and then being a woman of color in my industry is very um, there's not a lot of us mm -hmm. you know um, I, I, to own an independent media company um, and it's just me I mean I don't I don't know too many people like that so all those things I just wrapped up and put it on film and um, you know I wanted to make it more of the imagery about the imagery and about what was unsaid than what was said so all of the um there was probably about a total of six lines in the film and it was all in swahili um subtitles and um you know uh it's so crazy because the film was done and edited probably about mm, about four or five months after and i didn't release it till like a year later because i sat on it for so long and not because i didn't believe in it but the timing of everything. And when I tell you about the perfect timing of the universe, it it's never fails because that movie was released and then I lost my grandmother. Oh, wow. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and I was able to show her that film afterwards and see the tears in her eyes. I'm like, this is for you, you know? So if I would have released that film right after it was done, then that, th that experience probably wouldn't have been as rich. Um, so, so yeah, that um, that film is very special to me, and it's actually a part of a trilogy um, that I'm going to finish writing and hopefully start shooting here um, come uh, come the um, come probably spring or summer. I've submitted it to a few film festivals, um, so fingers crossed on that. Um, it was a it was a toss up because I was like, man, I got so many like we sold out the premiere, so many dope reviews. People were like, this is the greatest short film I ever seen. Oh my god! And I'm like, is it? But I mean, I knew it was good. But you know, people sometimes you, you when you're in it, you don't get it. Yeah. Um, and so they were like, no, you 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 got it. you can't release this yet. You just you just got to put it in. And I was like, okay, okay, do I? So I started researching it, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna do it. Um, so it's in a few film festivals now, and uh, I'll probably submit in a few more, uh, probably about two or three more here in a couple months and we'll see that's awesome thank you and so you were talking about your spiritual journey mm -hmm. and so I'm, I'm very curious because um, like yourself you know I don't consider myself to be religious but I'm very spiritual right. mm -hmm. and I've noticed as I've gotten older I'm, I'm not too old I'm only 23 but you know as Baby. I've <laughs> as I've gotten older um, you know that uh, my spiritual relationship has gotten stronger based mm -hmm. off of my experiences yeah. so I'm curious about yours you know um, yeah. becoming a mother losing your grandma all mm -hmm. this stuff that you've done mm -hmm. tell right. me about that journey you know spiritually well you know so crazy because I grew up um, missionary Baptist we went to church twice a week um, you know, we, we prayed to Jesus. We, we went to, did all the stuff, you know, that a lot of people do when they mm -hmm. grow up in church, whether you're a you know, Christian or whatever your religion is. And so uh, right about the time, um, I always had a question. So I don't want to go back too far because I could talk a long yeah. time. But so 
to sum it up real quick, when I was six years old, um, I actually drowned. Oh, and wow. I'm saying not I'm not saying that I almost drowned. But you did. I actually drowned. Oh wow. And I had a spiritual experience then and I told it to my family in a six year old's eyes, right? So I knew it was something weird because I kept telling they kept asking me to tell the story and I was mm-hmm. like, I told y'all this is what happened, right? <laughs> you know, and they, but I they, but now looking back, they're like, No, this was crazy. Like this w- six year old What was that experience? So, so to to sum it up, um <clears throat> I my step uh, I, my stepmom at the time, my brother, um, um, had a half-brother and that was older than me and another uh, half-brother under him that passed away. He passed away when he was 11. Um, but it was us. We were going swimming. Long story short, we were going swimming. My mom told my stepmom, she can't swim. You got to be there with her, da-da-da-da. But I'm fearless. You know, six years old, I'm, I don't care. I'm going to do my thing. So, um, so you know, my brother at the time, he was 13. He swam like a fish. So at the t- my stepmom thought that it was cool. Like, okay, it's only six feet. Like... Not, not the whole pool, but she just felt like he could watch me. Mm-hmm. And so I remember them playing off, her, off over in the deep end, and I'm just kind of over there bored, like holding on to the side. I'm like in two or three feet. I'm like, you know, I'm going over there with them. So I go over there, and I like remember the water getting deeper, and my toe slipped. My toe slipped on the slope, and I remember just, you know, how you get frantic and you fight, you know, for to stay afloat. And I remember getting really tired and I'm yelling, I'm trying to yell and I'm small, I'm swallowing water and you know, nobody's hearing me. They're splashing, they're loud. And I just remember like getting tired and like giving up. And then the six year old's mom's like, Oh, it's going to sleep. I don't know what's happening here, but I'm getting tired. I'm just sinking down. So I remember sinking down to the bottom of the pool. Like this is stuff that I will never forget. And so I'm at the bottom of the pool and I remember waking up under the water and I'm just laying there and I'm looking around and I see like a bright light in the corner. Like this sounds so weird, but I'm just telling you guys my yeah, experience. Yeah. And I'm just looking and I'm like so scared. And I'm like, am I dreaming? What's going on? And then like all of a sudden I hear this voice just say, relax. I, and I'll never, I would know, if I heard the voice again, I would know what it sounded like, but I can't describe it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I remember just going to sleep and saying, well, gonna go back to sleep and then all of a sudden I heard sirens but I was so scared because all this weird shit was going on I'm just like I don't know if I'm dead I don't know what's going on like and and so I never opened my eyes and people were like working on me and like I'm just like if I would open my eyes I'm like oh my god it's a miracle she's but I just never opened my eyes I don't even know if I was really cognizant or what so then um, I remember waking up in the hospital and I tell this story I tell this story. My mom's like, what happened? And I, I, you know, she's thinking, I'm like, oh, I was playing and I slipped and then I just passed out. But then I go into this elaborate story, mm-hmm. like what I just told you. And she's like, what? I'm like, yeah, this, this is what happened. I heard this voice. And then all these people come in. I'm retelling the story. And so the kicker was my mom didn't tell me this till later till I was probably like in my teens where I could kind of comprehend the severity of where I was. Um, and so for those that are in the medical profession, those that just may know when you when you expire, like you release all like bowels and everything. Mm-hmm. That's just you know, your body's final, yep. whatever. And she was getting my stuff, like her and my aunt, like I already had my hospital gown on and they were like gathering my stuff and the hospital had it in the bag and they were opening it and I had like defecated in my bathing suit. Like mm-hmm. it was a big shit thing there, <laughs> just to lighten the mood. Um, and and they, she was like, oh my gosh. So she starts crying and all that stuff. So really I was gone. Wow. And and in the hindsight, how long I was underwater is still an unknown. It was in the newspaper and everything. Like because my brother, from his perspective, he noticed I was missing. He, him and my other brother got this story together. They went home like, what are we gonna tell uh, uh, our stepmom? We gotta make up something. And then they went there. She was like, where's Talia? And they were like, oh, we thought she came home. Oh, and she was like, well, go back and get her. You know. So this all this time, 
I'm in the pool. Like oh, they didn't wow. even know that I was in the at the bottom of the pool because I was at the bottom. Like so the doctor was like, she swallowed the entire pool, but none of the water got in her lungs. Like my stomach looked yeah. like I was pregnant. Like that's how much water I swallowed. So so from that point. Um, after that, like I always knew, like some, there's something different, like something mm -hmm. beyond comprehension, something what deeper than we can explain. And um, so, uh, from that point, like I did, I started reading a lot, I started writing, and then I was in a lot of gifted classes. And you know, um, it was just like that's when the creative, the creative, I feel like the creative side of me really came out. So as far as the spiritual journey, like that's just to kind of start like my first spiritual experience, and mm -hmm. then from now, like um, just just occurrences where I know that there's no other explanation. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like you just feel it. Yep. I'm a big person about the intuition and the vibes and just trusting it because as we know, our subconscious is so much powerful than our conscious mind. Yep. Our subconscious is what makes, puts the ideas there and makes us do it consciously, right? So we have to trust those hunches that we get and those those thoughts that pop in our head that a lot of time our ego and stuff's like, oh, no, nah, you know, you just downplay it. But, you know, I'm learning that has been a, awesome process because it has not failed me yet mm. yeah that's so. awesome and so okay i have to know when after that experience of drowning in a pool did did that establish something in your mind where you were fearful of water throughout like your childhood or <laughs> yes so okay. for about probably good four years like i would not step one big i would not even put my big toe in water like <laughs> they try to put me in swimming lessons and it just wasn't working. And then at the, probably about the age of 11 is when I, I, I don't know, the fear just kind of went away. And I was like, you know, I'm missing out on fun here. So, you know, now I, I love the water. Like, I can swim. I, I mean, I know enough to, like, kind of stay afloat. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I'm not, like, the best swimmer. But, I you know, I swim. I jump in. I dive. And I do things like that. But, yeah, it was a really deep fear. And then for some time, like, when I had my daughter, I was so adamant about her knowing how to swim and not being scared of the water. So, the power of FOMO, fear of missing yes, out. Yes, <laughs> yes, man, it was very, <laughs> yeah, FOMO was what got me in the position where I almost drowned when I was trying to get over there in the deep end, and then the FOMO is what actually pushed me to want to swim again, because mm -hmm. all my friends were in the pool having fun and splashing and all that, I'm like, you know what, I gotta get in there. <laughs> right on. <laughs> and so, I gotta ask, do you do any type of meditation? I do, um, I do a lot of meditation, I do uh, a lot of, um, I, I, I sage a lot, I have crystals, um, and for me, it's important, like, so people see me as this, like, social person, like, this social butterfly. I know a lot of people. I do a lot of network. Usually, if it's something big, I'm on the scene. But I am kind of sort of a loner. Like, I need mm. my time yep. to, like, decompress. And so I spend a lot of time alone, like, in my room or at home just chilling out um, and just really kind of just be Thinking. in my own head and think, yeah. you know, uh, because uh, I, when you're when you get more in tune with your spiritual self, you start to notice that you can feel and sense the energy of others, right? Yeah. So sometimes if you go in a big crowd and then you wonder like, like you're just ready to go, you're just like, oh my God, like I just can't, you know, and that's just the energy, especially if you're empathic or, you know, you feel things. It's like hard for me sometimes to be in um, big crowded spaces for a long time because I feel it and they even up on meeting somebody, I can feel mm. their energy, you yeah. know what I mean? 
So I definitely do. Yeah. Um, and so what what kind of books do you read now? You probably weren't reading like personal development when you were <laughs> four years old. But no. <laughs> when did you trans? I'm sure you read those uh, types of books now. Yeah. Well, you know what? I will go on and let me say I don't really read as much as I used to because okay. I feel like I'm so busy. I do want to make the time to actually flip through a book, but I do. Uh, I listen to a lot of videos. Mm. Um, I I listen to a lot of uh, motivational speakers. I love your Gary V's, your uh, Tony. Um, what's it Robbins. Name? Tony Robbins. Yeah. I love E.T. the Hip Hop Preacher. Depending on what kind of motivation I'm needing. There's so many different yep. type of personalities for what you're needing. And um, uh, so I do listen to a lot of that. I listen to a lot of uh, um, like like spiritual videos, a lot of uh, like certain type of meditation music. Like even if I'm putting on my makeup, I'll just put it on and just like just it just calms me down. And mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. So I'm really letting people into my life. I don't share a lot of this stuff, but I'm, uh, clearly I'm feeling comfortable yeah, with you guys. That's, that's the goal <laughs> of this show. I yeah, like it. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> Who would you say have been your biggest inspirations? Huh, biggest inspirations. Man, man, man. That's a tough one. So um, I definitely have to say my grandmother is one of them. Um, and she really taught me just so much about being, having tact and class and grace, like, to the very end. There, mm. I never saw her without a smile on her face, even if she couldn't stand anybody. Like, she was, hi, how you doing? Yeah, like at church <laughs> or whatever. Um, and then, you know, um, of course, the women in my family, like I come from a very, uh, a very long line of strong women, like, mm. um, and so they all had a hand in shaping me into the woman I am today. Um, you know, as far as inspiration, like I don't, I have like celebrities and public figures that I take something from, but ultimately, like, um, for me, like I look at, you know, myself as like my biggest competition. Yeah, you know no, I can relate. Definitely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's no competition but yourself. Yeah. And yeah. so... Um, I guess with, I mean, you have the media side of it, mm -hmm. consulting, mm -hmm. and then you have Talia TV mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. And so does that go, explain on that. So Talia TV was more like a kind of, um, a relaunch of, uh, the Talia speak show that I had like a few years back when I first got into like being in front of the camera and, um, you know, taking some of the stuff that I was already doing behind the scenes, like interviewing different people and, and artists and public figures and all of that. And just taking the, taking the show on the road and covering certain events with mm -hmm. the team and doing recaps and interviews and stuff like that. So Tali TV is a branch of that, but then also my goal, which I, you know, I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out. I might do some rebranding and restructuring. See, even I need help with that. Mm -hmm. So, um, so my goal is to make it like a network. So how you have own or like a CNN, like this different, it's different programming. Yeah. So, you know, I did a cast and call. Um, I think it was last October. We had a lot of people come out. And so um, hence like me now starting to do some more short films and more like skits and comedy and stuff, trying to fit that in my schedule. And now we'll go on Tally TV and also people that want to put their original programming. So say if, you know, you had a short film or a skit that you wanted to do and you wanted to toss it up there, I would put it on my page. So just make it like a hub of like a digital network mm. of different type of program, whether it be news, um, music, sports, all of that. So That's awesome. And you have all of this going on. How do you organize your life as an entrepreneur? You know, you're, you're not only an entrepreneur, <laughs> you're a mom. Yeah, You yeah. have all this going on. Yeah. What, do you have daily routines, practices? What? You know what? That was one of the things that I really wanted to try to start in 2019 because I don't. I do have a, a daily routine, but it's not as structured as I would like it to be. Um, so um, that what I've been doing now and practicing in 2019 is, for one, really – not feeling like I have to take on everything that's offered to me. Oh, wow. Okay. You know what I mean? Why, Even why do you think that? Because I feel like 
I have to find the balance in me being like the the serve being of service and wanting to help and give so much to where I don't want to burn myself out. It has mm. to make sense for me, you know. Yeah. Um, so you know, I, I did a um, last uh, a last year on this time. I worked on my first political campaign. I did the media strategy for the entire Marion County Sheriff's campaign uh, for my candidate, and that was an awesome experience. And it was so, but it was whoa, it mm. was like a lot of stress. And <laughs> I got to see the 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 good and the bad side of politics, like really being that close to it. Yeah, and um, you know. Uh, immediately after that like i got offers like okay you want to come we need you on donnelly campaign we want you to do this when i'm like mm, i gotta step away mm -hmm. and for some people they're like oh yeah just keep it going but i was like you know what i gotta just really step away decompress really taking everything that i've done so i know that would i do it again absolutely but i would do it a little differently um so you know all that going back to say this learning to uh say no or not right now yeah yeah I like that. And so I read in your bio, your Instagram bio mm -hmm. specifically, it says inspiring, learning, ascending. Mm -hmm. I really like that. But what does Thank that you. mean to you? So to inspire people, we don't have to have it all together, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. We're still learning, but we can inspire, Facts, right? Yeah. And ascending is uh, the spiritual journey that I'm on. That's why okay. my movie was called Ascension. Um, like I said, I just encourage you guys to just to read up on it, whether it be through YouTube, uh, YouTube or whatever, about the ascension process that everybody will go through eventually, whether it is either you for up to you to, to do it or just to say, oh, this is weird. No, I'm just going to stick to what I know, you know. But um, ascending is like almost like you think about a plane ready for takeoff, right? Yep. So for me, on my spiritual journey, like I'm slowly but surely like ascending into whatever my purpose is. So I had to shift my thinking into the beginning. It was like, oh, Talia, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do all these interviews. I'm going to help all these people. And I'm going to be on this and I'm going to be on that. But then the focus in 2009 shifted to the service part mm -hmm. of it. So I'm like, I want to do jobs. Of course, I want to be paid and things, but I want to do something that serves people. Yeah. That serves not just their business, but them as the individual. Because I'm a very, um, every time I encounter somebody or meet somebody, I, I feel like I want to leave them with something. I want to pour into them. I want to, I want to, I don't know. I'm just all about people just being the best version of themselves, you know? Yeah. All while learning, right? Mm -hmm. So inspiring and learning the same process because I'm trying to do the same. Wow, that's very relatable. I like that a lot. Thank you. And so, okay, so your vision for, I feel like we got a good understanding of your vision mm -hmm. for your company. Yeah. What's your vision for your life? I mean, obviously this can't mm -hmm. be the only thing that you want to focus on. Do you right. have any big <laughs> goals, aspirations, projects that you want to you know, accomplish? Yeah. So, um, so personally, um, and I guess it's the best way to kind of sum it up. So personally for myself, um, you know, I used to uh, do a lot of acting back in the day, and I'm saying a lot, like I'm just, but I'm, I'm saying more like plays and musicals, and I really, I feel like that's the part that I really want to challenge myself with. Like okay. I want to try to get into more acting and more serious roles, um, and do more, um, do more things like that. Um, all while that's under my Talia L'Oreal brand and myself, but with TSM, eventually, like um, you know, what we do is just basically specialize in just helping brands, entrepreneurs, public figures, musicians just take their brands to the next level. So I'm starting to slowly but surely build clients um, that I work with closely. Um, a lot of the brands that you guys probably see um, and, and hear about, I've worked with probably in some capacity. Um, and um, so for me, as far as the business goals, I want to see, I want to branch TSM out um, and make it more of a, um, of course, we want to be worldwide eventually, but yep. to be known, you know, uh, domestically across the U.S. Uh, because I do work remotely with some clients um, in different 
states, but as far as doing more travel work, like mm -hmm. going there and like, excuse me, shooting more content, you know, in different places and things like that. So, excuse me, that's where I am. That's where I am as far as my, my business, my, my business and then my personal brand. Do you think it's challenging to take on clients that are out of state? Specifically for, you know, that, that mm -hmm. digital marketing. Yes. So, you know, for me, I, I'm <laughs> people make fun of me all the time because, you know, this and I like I'm a little older than, you know, uh, probably most of you guys in here um and you know you guys are more of like texting yeah <laughs> texters which i do like to text now you know a text it depends on the person but i'm a more of like i want to talk to you on the phone like oh, i yeah. want to hear your voice i want to hear what you're talking about i want to feel the conversation so um when you're working with clients that don't like to do that you know <laughs> they don't even live in the same state and it's either email or text and it's hard getting them on the phone that's been frustrating that's why I've kind of just kind of slowed down on taking uh, yeah. clients if I can't go out there and at least have a face-to-face -face meeting with you like once a quarter I feel like maybe this is not the best the right situation yeah, the right the right fit yeah. yeah that makes sense um and you're really looking out for their best interests, mm -hmm. not just focused on the dollar right exactly right. Mm -hmm. um and so what's your definition of success happiness okay and um you know just because you can be successful but not be like the richest person in the world mm -hmm. but if you're happy and you're comfortable and you're healthy that's success to me and you're doing what you love whether it is going to a corporate job a nine to five every day if you love your job i don't ever knock anybody that has a corporate regular nine to five i do not knock it you know that to me that takes more that takes a lot of mental toughness you know yeah. what i mean to deal with that so for me success is just happiness doing something you love health and just um just being able to enjoy life in your opinion how does someone find happiness to me, happiness comes with authenticity and searching. A lot of a lot of times, people hide from their shadows. Do you know? Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? When, yeah. I, when I say that, so well, I go back to the facing the dark parts of yourself, like things you may have suppressed. And I'm not talking about. I mean, I, I'm not trying to like trigger anybody. Like face that traumatic event, but ultimately, you have to, yeah. right? Uh, so you know, I just go back to myself and like. Sometimes you gotta look at yourself and be like, you know, I'm the one that's fucking up. I'm the one that's that's just not pulling my weight. I'm the one that's just halfway doing things, you know, or I'm the one that made this mistake, or I'm the one that let somebody down in the past. And sometimes we have a tendency to block things out, especially when they're wrong, mm -hmm. and just move forward and just try to like make it disappear. But when you face those things, it's so empowering. Um, and to me, um, once you face that, the guilt kind of numbs itself. Mm. Or, you know, and I'm not saying anything that I did specifically. I'm just talking about facing the dark parts, facing the shadows, you know, and, and owning that. And then when you're able to own that and nobody can use it against you and you and you walk in your truth, like, to me, that's happiness. Like, yeah. like there's nothing that anybody in here can't tell me about myself yeah. negative that I already know unless it's a lie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, they can't take any way, yeah, anything exactly. away from you either. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. And yeah. So going off of that, you know, what kind of impact do you want to have on the whole world? Because I know you want to go worldwide. Right. So um, also in my bio, I don't know if you noticed that I had light worker in there. Yeah, so light yeah. work is a light worker is another term that I encourage everybody to look up. And um, this is something that I learned on my spiritual journey. And I felt like, yeah, this is me. I just want to raise the consciousness of the world, raise Ooh, let people that. know 
that the divinity is in you. Like mm. you can be anything you want to be. You have the power. Like don't get me wrong. There's a creator, somebody, we came from somewhere. But don't let fear move, fear of I'm going to hell if I don't do this right. You know what I'm saying? Be be what drives you to do or not to do something you love. So raising the consciousness that know that God is within you and and you are if you're from God, like you are divine. Like you can do anything you want to. So just spreading that consciousness, like lifting the consciousness and letting people know like their their true power and inner strength. That's what I that's the mark that I want to leave. So that's why I go back to the service part because all like I'm using what I do now, my business, to help others do that. Mm. So that's what it's about. Like I just want to serve, like I just want to be a humanitarian and to go like just like help people. Wow. Yeah, I swear we're on the same wavelength. <laughs> that's awesome. Um yeah. one saying that I tell myself every single day is I am one with God and God is everything. Yep. And when you realize that that power is within you, yep. literally anything is possible. Yep. So Absolutely. I'm getting cold chills, but oh. um, yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. And yeah. so before we go, where can people find you? Oh, one of my thousands of Instagram pages. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so uh, you can find me on uh, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. I don't tweet that much. I just kind of stopped tweeting like years ago. I don't know. It's not really doing anything for me right now. But um, Talia L'Oreal, T-A-H-L-I-A-L-O-R-E-A-L um, on Facebook and Instagram. That's my personal page where I kind of just post a hodgepodge of just me. Um, my business page is Talia Speaks Media. So it's Talia, T-A-H-L-I-A, Speaks Media. Um, that's on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And then I also have um, my um, Talia TV. And then um, that's pretty much it for now. Okay. <laughs> and uh, before I ask my last question, is there anything else that you want to say? Give a shout out to anything, plug anyone. Right, right, right. Uh, let's see. Uh, you know, I just want to shout out just to, first of all, Novity Growth and, and Landon and yourself, Adam, and the wonderful team you guys have. Like, you guys are awesome. I love what you're doing here in the city and just, you know, putting Indy on the map and having very, uh, very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The events you guys have are dope. That's basically what I'm going to say. <laughs> um, and then I also want to shout out my team at TSM. Uh, a lot of the business I work with from the end goal, Circle Brand, um, I work with, if I'm leaving anybody out, it's, it's my head, not my heart, um, my family. Um, and then also PB Art Gallery, Dwani, um, uh, Romeo with Bella Marcia. Like so many people <laughs> I've worked with and had a hand with. So I, you know, like I said, it's my head, not my heart. If I missed you. Um, and then also, you know, uh, we just started a new Saturday night party at Icon next door. We're trying to revive Icon um, and just kind of get that Saturday night popping. So I'm working. I'm, that's a new project of mine. We're doing Saturdays over there. So if anybody wants something to do on Saturdays, you can go over there. Um, great vibes, very diverse crowd. Um, and um, we're doing that. Is that starting this Saturday? Or no, this is, will be, has been? Yeah, this will, so this will be our fourth Saturday coming up. Um, nice. The first Saturday was a major success. Like, wow. We, I mean, it, we had good problems because it was like, oh, my God, none of security. Oh my God, we're almost to capacity. I'm like, this is dope, you know. <laughs> so, and then the second Saturday was great, and then of course we had the snowstorm last Saturday, so mm -hmm. it was kind of dead everywhere. But um, this Saturday, you know, the weather's breaking, so we're just back to back to uh, the drawing board, and I think it's going to be an awesome turnout. Um, and so we're just branding the party. We're just doing new parties. You know, it's not just the same same party every Saturday. It's a theme. It's something different, and that's why I'm all about um, with when I come on board, especially for weekly events i usually just do one event a month like i don't like to do like weekly club events or anything like that but this was a, something that i couldn't pass up because we got to be creative with it for sure i like that yeah. and so my last question for you is so let's say you do everything that you desire and envision yourself doing and you can leave one lesson everything that all the books you've written everything 
gets tossed out the window, mm -hmm. but you can leave one lesson with your daughter, with your family, your loved ones, the people closest with you, that one lesson, what would it be? Hmm. I'm, to, I'm pausing because I don't think on that. Take your That's time. A great Take question. your time. Hmm. So many, man. <laughs> so many goes through my head, but you know what? I don't know why. I, you know, and I'm going with my like my intuition. This yeah. is what came in my head. So I'm going to say it. The gift is in you. Mm. That's just what the gift is in you. Like so, w whatever your purpose is. Usually, your purpose is your is your it's your passion. Like usually, it's never two different things. It's in you, and you know, to get it, you know, you'll have to go through some things. You'll have to go through some ups and downs. Sometimes it's more downs than ups, but it's in you, and sometimes it's the downs that bring it out. Mm. So, um, if I would tell my daughter that is that it's in you, and you can just, you really, truly, it sounds so cliche. We've heard it all our lives growing up. You can be anything you want to be. <laughs> just believe in yourself. All the celebrities say it, and we're like, yeah, yeah, you millionaire, and I'm sitting here working my ten dollar an hour job. You know what I mean? <laughs> But it's so true. It's and so I'm not true, rich. Yeah. I'm not out here, you know, making, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Like, but I know that it's true. Yeah. I know that you can be and do anything you want. It's in you. Facts. Love it. Well, Talia, I appreciate you coming here at 120 Collective, being on Novelty Voice podcast. I encourage you to keep doing everything that you're doing. Thank you. Um, it's very empowering and it's inspiring. Uh, I've had a great conversation. I just appreciate you for coming out. Thank you guys so much for having me. Um, this is like, like I said, it's my very first interview, really. So you guys, I love it. you know, you guys are going to be have a special place in my heart. You already did, but <laughs> more so now. Right on. So thank you so much for having me, guys. It's been a blast. Thank you. All right, guys, another episode. 14 Novelty Voice signing off.